0: So Chris, the people want to know our secrets. How did we get this podcast started?
1: Yeah, kind of a crazy story. We were both coming into this from the YouTube side, have never really done anything podcast-wise. We looked around, found Anchor by Spotify, really great service. It's completely free to use. They have some great stuff that you can just upload straight onto the website. You can actually record on the website. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Sober in the States Soccer. My name is Chris, the MLS card guy. And we have, as always, our co-host. His name is Nashi. How are you today, buddy?
0: I'm doing well, mate. As you know, I'm in the uh, I'm in the rolling hills and alleyways of Lisbon, Portugal, doing some doing some scouting for a uh, for the SORA lineup. So getting that European team, team fired up, but but now I'm on holiday, so Hopefully the uh, audio is not too bad. I'm, I'm I'm sure shacked up in a little room here, but I'm excited to be on with you guys.
1: Yeah, so that's why we, if you're wondering, that's why we don't have the video version of the podcast this week. Uh, we're just going to keep it audio only for this week and we'll go back to video uh, when Nashi is back to his normal setup. Uh, as a guest for this week, we have a big TFC supporter, a guy that I met over in London, very, very knowledgeable, has been in the game for quite a while. Uh, his name is Jeremy. How are you today, buddy?
2: Hey, not too bad. Uh, yeah, some people might know me as Jayhad twenty eight. That's so rare. Been on the site for over two years, and as you mentioned, there big Toronto FC fan, but also a Canadian national team supporter as well. So I think a lot of people initially kind of noticed that I was the one, you know, picking up whether it be like Alphonso or Davies or Jonathan David kind of special edition cards, and yeah, I've been really just as much a collector as I have been uh, kind of like a fantasy player, but obviously I've been getting my teams in weekly. But yeah, that's really what brought me onto SoRare is that it was the one licensed kind of product out there in the digital space where honestly moved houses and don't have the space for like all the memorabilia and, you know, physical cards, et cetera. So having kind of something digital to collect and follow has been amazing.
1: So you've been a you've been a TFC supporter I'm guessing for a while you have TFC kind of season tickets tell us what got you into TFC how long you've been following the team you know just kind of your whole journey throughout the, the MLS uh, life of TFC
2: Yeah so I'm actually a day one supporter so when the uh this has been like 15 years now when the team first started up in Toronto um, the ticket prices were incredibly low at the time I think we've had a it's a tough market, the Toronto market, because you're facing, like, the Jays. They also have CFL um, with the Argos. You've got, like, obviously hockey kind of number one with, like, the Leafs. you also got the Raptors. So it's a very congested market. So I, I really just got my season tickets because I really wanted to support, you know, local soccer, local football, I guess, for the Europeans. Um, yeah, that's the main thing that got me interested in it. And, yeah, the early days were really tough. Obviously, like, yourself as a DC United fan, like, I, uh, yeah, I feel for you because I know what it's like <laughs> when you're kind of, like, bottom of the barrel, never making the playoffs, et cetera. Um, I actually attended the two, like, times that Seattle came to town. The one freezing cold in the winter, like, I just wanted that game over with. It was just so cold. Seattle had no shots in goal and still managed to uh, win on penalties, so that was frustrating. But then the next year, uh, Toronto came back played really well. I was there for the game when, uh, you know, Altidore got sent in by like Vasquez great, like win as well. And yeah, I've been, I've been following the MLS for quite a while because even early on, we even had some, you know, when they're actually moving the games around like Colorado played in their final at BMO when they used to have kind of a neutral site kind of one. So Mm -hmm. that's been amazing. And then, yeah, just in general, a huge, uh, supporter of the team. And also because BMO also fields the Canadian national team. So it's been incredible to watch just the number of uh, eyeballs that are being on the Canadian national team, because there was a point where you'd go to the stadium and if they're playing Honduras, it's like 75% Honduran fans, even in Toronto, because you have a lot of like immigrants living in the city and you had barely any in the supporter section. So it's incredible to see now they're like selling out all the time just shows you how uh, it just takes a few young and up and coming players to really like build a great team. And actually, and I should yeah. say that, and they play as a team. Right. So right. I'm pretty fortunate that by watching TFC, I get to watch like, you know, like Richie Larea, Jonathan Zorio, etc. Some people who, uh, uh, you know, aren't really household names in Europe or probably even in the U S but they've really come a long way to be an actual consistent team. Now, how will they do against Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, that, yeah, that's going to be tough. But they put up a great fight against Mexico and, and like, the U.S. So I yeah. think people are kind of seeing them as a bit of a, a scary, you know, I wouldn't say dark horse, but they definitely have the uh, the pace to kind of challenge some of those teams.
1: Like, you looked at pot four when the draw came out, and you were just terrified of getting Canada in your group. Like, that was that was going to be – wherever Canada went was going to be the group of death, basically. And that's kind of how it ended up turning out. And we'll definitely – get a lot more into the Canadian national team uh, as, as we get into it. Um, And you mentioned also, you know, DC being at the bottom of the barrel, we have officially been eliminated from the playoffs. So season is now officially over in DC. We can now play the kids uh, as Wayne Rooney did against RSL. We'll talk a little bit about that game. Um, But the last thing on Toronto, uh, Wayne Rooney's last, last game for DC United as a player was the playoff game in Toronto Uh, which I was at. uh, And BMO field is cold, man. Like it is really cold in the playoffs. Um, We went up there. We put up a good fight for 90 minutes. We were down one nil, nicked a goal right at the end, which was absurd. Like we didn't deserve that goal at all. But in order to do that, we had subbed on like three forwards and took off three defenders uh, so we got two extra time and we had no defenders on the field and TFC just uh, like steamrolled us. It was five or six to one, I think after extra time. So that ended up ending Wayne Rooney's career, but I was at that game. That's the only time um, I've actually been to a game at BMO, but it's a, it's a great facility and they're going to upgrade it to, to host the world cup. Um, is the city pretty excited? You know, I'm, I'm assuming that the city's pretty excited to host the world cup and kind of get to show off to the world, like this great soccer town that they've created.
2: Yeah I would say so. Um, I think the initial stadium design they're trying to figure out like what to do with it, um, it's actually funny because it's a multi purpose facility so you have. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts also playing football like I guess Canadian like uh, like American kind of football gridiron football on there and and it does uh, well, some of the players like in Sydney that have been kind of ticked off with the fact that the field condition isn't always the greatest. Right yeah. now it has a bit of like, I would say almost, well, you went up to the game, like kind of almost a carnival atmosphere because they built it on the cheap. But now with the T wall, the 2026 world cup coming up, they've really realized like, you know, we've got to put some money into this. So yeah. I, like, I don't know. There's nothing about the size of the stadium. Cause it used to be that you could see the whole Toronto skyline from it. And it only sat 20,000. Then they realized like 20,000 is just too small for, you know, the biggest city in Canada. So then they expand it to 30,000 and then with the world cup, they're gonna have to expand it. So it's at least like a 40,000 plus stadium. Um, I think you might lose some of that atmosphere that you had from like a smaller ground, but there's definitely a need to probably like, you know, I think people will get on board when they see this brand new kind of stadium that gets extended. And it'll be interesting because in Canada we haven't made the world cup since 1986. So typically what everyone does in Canada people are from like Italy or they're from Portugal or their backgrounds like from England or Germany right so you have so many people actually supporting like like little Italy goes crazy when like the Highlands are playing it will be odd to see if Canada actually gets the support when they're playing Canada because for the most part people just look even myself my father was born in like the Lake District in England so I'm always like representing like England at every World Cup because they, they actually qualify um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if people actually care about Canada or if they still start like you know, repping, like, I bet you <laughs> like the game against Croatia. Like I wonder in Canada how many people are actually just gonna be cheering for like Croatia, right? Um, yeah. Versus like the national team. Yeah. Just because they they caught fire really just in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean the way that it works here, everybody roots for their own team when they're when their team is playing, and then everybody just kind of roots for the American team when the American team plays. So um if if it goes like head to head a lot of times the old country kind of comes first for that one group but everybody else is like against that one group so it still seems like everybody's rooting for for the u.s team um so yeah i think it'll be it'll be real fun hopefully you guys have some like watch parties and stuff i know it's in november which kind of stinks but hopefully you guys can get some like indoor facilities do some watch parties because that'll be like those watch parties are the most fun they are the absolute blast um, and I know they do big stuff over in Europe as well it'll be really interesting to see uh that now I I know that obviously there were some games uh and even though he's on vacation now she's out there putting it work he was uh he said he got to catch a little bit of the Nashville LA Galaxy game he's a brand new Ricky Pooch uh super rare owner which is really exciting I think that's a great move. Uh, So he was doing a little scouting on his boy, watching Nashville at the same time. What did you think of it, Nashie? How did did it go?
0: Yeah, mate. Well, I was actually, I was flying over from uh, France to Portugal and I was cursing my, well, the the day before I was sitting there having a glass of wine thinking, and I get a message out of blue at the the bar and I got a manager I told you I was negotiating with for this super rare puge, hit me up and was like, look, I think I can knock down the price a bit. I, I don't play... Any America, he had like a full Barcelona kind of gallery. Said, I don't play any America. I just want to get rid of this car. I need to use the money. And I said, "All right, we, we made a the deal." Then that night, uh, I got him in the lineup. That night, a couple nights later, uh, flying from France over to Portugal, and they're ready excited to watch the game. And then the um, the flight is at the time of the game, so I was absolutely gutted, and get to the airport settle in announcement comes out flight's delayed an hour and a half Nicole my wife's fuming and but inside I'm, I'm there fist pumping because I can get the game <laughs> up on Twitter so <laughs> in the uh, in the waiting area I managed to yeah, catch the first half of the game on Twitter and yeah Puge obviously we knew already the reason I bought him was because he's an absolute baller of a player he's, he's unbelievable he's quality. I hate to say like he's above the MLS, too good, whatever. Because you know I'm a big fan of the MLS and a lot of the games for players there, but he really is a level above. And you you still a bit early, it's still a bit risky because you don't know how that's going to translate to the matrix. But watching him the first few games, you just can't see how he's not going to be good. And yeah, he's since he's come in, I think the uh, the Galaxy are unbeaten. He's had a big impact, and he started really sharp in this game. And the Galaxy. It's a tough fixture uh, going to Nashville. And, and they started pretty well. They were dominating the ball. Pugh's just on it, moving it. They just looked really balanced, really like new lease of life. Um, and kind of a little bit against the run of play. And some, I mean, I don't know if you saw the highlights or anything, but it was a very questionable sort of referee VAR decision. And Nashville get a penalty. Uh, Mukhtar steps up, buries it, as we know, Um Kind of what he, what he does, and uh, yeah, he at that point in the game, Nashville one 0 up. That's not a position you want to be in because they defend so well, counter attack so well. So I kind of feared for the Galaxy, but they, they didn't panic. He stuck in the game. He got another penalty later on, uh, and Chicharito misses the penalty. And I think I think what Jeremy mentioned before, he's missed about four of his last seven. I think so. Um, Maybe best science to look out for there. Later on, last minute rolls around, ninety eighth minute, the Galaxy get another penalty, and uh, the young man Ricky Pugh, steps up and and buries it. And uh, yeah, he has a hundred on his on his debut for the club, so I was very happy with that. Um, overall, I thought uh, Galaxy looked really good. Really, it's almost like they're really building around Puge a sort of more possession-based game. They really controlled the ball a lot better than they have done earlier in the season. They looked to have a bit more of identity. I think Gaston Brugman's come in as a sort of CDM has been a bit under the radar for them. Um, not as he talks about but he has made a difference in there. And I'm kind of already looking for the Galaxy next season with sort of some of these players on the fringes now with DJ, you know, it's all we have for Alvarez... Huge. there's some youth in that team but some real quality youth and we'll see I mean we'll talk about Toronto and they've obviously had the youth and some of it's worked some of it hasn't but we'll see if them pieces can come through next year I'm really excited for the Galaxy so it looks like they're going to sneak into the playoffs the way they're going he's, got, he's sort of like grabbed them by the scruff of the neck they made a big sign in as they have up in Toronto and he sort of made an immediate, immediate impact there and uh yeah, pretty excited for them. Nashville kind of did what they do. They're solid. They get the goal, and they almost held on for the 1-0, which would have been absolutely textbook for them. Um, they look like they're going to make the playoffs. Mukhtar's just, I think it's 23, is it, 24 goals for the season. Absolutely absurd. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it was a good, uh, good game to watch. Two teams that are kind of on the up.
1: Yeah, and they have Nashville. Nashville has uh, Austin coming up next, a rematch from last week. Uh, they go to Austin, so that'll be a, a, definitely a tough game for them, but they're in a great spot come playoffs. They're actually almost fighting for a home playoff game. They're in fourth right now. They uh, they lead Portland by one point. <clears throat> they lead Minnesota by two points, and Minnesota has a game in hand. Um, so it'll be very, very interesting to see who gets that fourth position because all those three teams desperately, desperately need to be playing that first-round game at home. Um, now talking, talking about the galaxy, obviously Greg Vanny has been the coach of Toronto for a long, long time, had, you know, great success in Toronto moves on to the LA galaxy. Uh, and obviously you've watched him for, for quite a while here, Jeremy, uh, can you tell us anything about kind of his mentality, what he's going to kind of do or not do with all these young, uh, talented kids that he's got collected in, in LA?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like Greg Vanny, um, he knows the stuff, like he really, uh, studies the game, always seems very level headed. Um I, I definitely I don't know. I, I don't know what happened really between Toronto and I think it was more a pandemic kind of factor that you wanted to kind of go back um you know to the US more for like family reasons and so forth. I think there was a bit of a uh there must have been some kind of confrontation because when he came back to Toronto, right? When uh when LA played they didn't do any like tribute video. So that was a bit of a uh I don't know, it caused a bit of controversy, maybe just more of a tri- Twitter controversy more than anything, Um, just because he served Toronto FC so well, level-headed, really knows his stuff, knows his tactics. Um, Definitely someone who, you know, like he likes the guys that he's kind of, you can tell that he like kind of stick with certain players. So like Marky Delgado made his way from Toronto to LA, he picked up like Zavaleta, I think it's actually his like Stepson or something like that, like son-in-law, I think. Anyways, they have a family link with like Zavoletta. Um, I remember when he was coaching TFC, he favored like Westberg over Sabano. Um, it was tough to get him to actually kind of change his mind in a lot of ways. And he he's pretty resolute in like favoring players. So I wonder what that kind of means for the like younger players. Um, that being said, uh, I think Toronto and the Galaxy are very similar in the sense that It's a win now kind of approach. So, I don't think either club is very well. It did not work this year for Toronto FC. Um, They tried to run the kids, play them. There's a huge, there's a lot of hype about uh, Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy. I had his like one of a hundred, like first card. I had his like one of a thousand first card. Probably should have sold them whenever it was like hyped up on the kid because he really hasn't got much play since then. He played like he came on as a sub last night. Uh, but I see a lot of similarities between the Galaxy and Toronto FC. So um, I think someone like a, a Ricky Pugue, as much as like kind of makes me want to like puke since he scored that nice goal against us the other day, that pretty much that virtually eliminated us from like the playoffs. Um, I did watch the game yesterday and that was just disappointing on another level. Um, but yeah, I think you'll always have it so that LA or Toronto, I think they're always going to be running veterans a lot of the time, to be honest with you. But yeah. if they can get some of these young, you know, young superstars, I think that's where the league's going. Because just again, talking about like TFC, they definitely went the Insigne Bernadeschi one because they don't want those like, you know, like 34 year old players just coming in to get one last kick at the can. Like, I bet you yeah. some of these people probably would have balked at like all those other salary range, like a Ronaldo. They just, they just don't want those players anymore unless it's maybe for jersey sales, right? So.
1: Yeah. Right. And like Bernadeschi's, what, 28, I believe, right? It's not like they're, it's not like they bought a really old player there, but he's definitely a win now player, right? He's in the prime of his career. Um, so that's, that's kind of how Toronto likes to build. That's kind of how the Galaxy like to build. A couple of other teams like to build like that. But um, and then you have your your other teams that kind of, you know, build up through the academy, your Philly type teams that don't really spend a lot of money. Um, but they always have talent and it's just always kind of coming through the pipeline, right? Your Dallas type teams. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting how there's different ways to succeed in the MLS. It's not just a one size fits all approach. Um, Cause I mean, in, in Europe, if you're in the big six, you're spending, like you have to keep spending every year to keep up with the Joneses, but in the MLS there's, there's multiple ways to win. Um, now, talking about that TFC Atlanta game, obviously not the result that you guys are looking for, four goals uh three of them for from a defender um Mm -hmm. how how because this was always kind of the question with TFC right they can bring in the Bernadeschi and Insigne and all the all the great offensive talent they want they have a decent offense but can they keep the ball out of the back of the net has always kind of been the question is is that in your mind is that kind of where this team went wrong um or was there something else that that kind of killed this season for you guys
2: yeah like just from a so rare kind of fantasy perspective i think what you'll see is that whole backline and goaltending just totally gets like thrown out so i think the idea was it was a you know kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to get an insigne and bernodowski had something to prove because i think he felt slighted by juventus so they did a good job with that uh tfc was very lucky to get chito i thought that was actually probably their best move of the year and honestly, the whole, as we spoke, like the youth movement just didn't pan out how they wanted because it they just lacked depth. That's totally what's happening. Um, I think what you'll see is so Bono and Westberg are out of contract at the end of the season. Um, I don't think management has faith in either one. Bono totally let the team down. So like, yeah, like he, 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 he I don't know. I feel bad because I think he just lost all his confidence. He's a great shot stopper but he's just not good at the, with the ball at his feet. Um, so Toronto will definitely, the two goalkeepers will have to be uh, sorted out. They're definitely going to keep Lorea who starts for the Canadian national team. They're definitely going to keep Crescito, but they're probably going to need two more center backs. Um, the midfield's tough because Azorio is also out of contract. And I know the team really wants him back, um, but it could be his chance to go to, to Europe right? So that's always the tough thing for players on TFC is that whether it's JMR or even, uh, like Jaden Nelson or Richard Larea who went to Nottingham forest. A lot of the players have aspirations to go to Europe at some point in their career. I think it'd be awesome if Zorio stayed at TFC because that really solidifies the midfield. People are way too hard on Michael Bradley because he's actually quite competent. And if you look at his like stats, he's actually good. That being said, he was terrible last night, but, uh, the worry is he's losing a step. He's quite old. Um, I think he's the guy that you want. Like, I think they need a DM like someone to replace Bradley would be a really good DP signing. Cause Toronto has one left and they're definitely going to always max out their uh, designated players. And the tough part with the team is they just haven't got anything from uh, Akinola and uh, Jimenez Jimenez started out like gangbusters. He was putting up like yeah. numbers, like nothing. And then, all of a sudden he's the exact same as Bono, just lost all confidence. So I think, yeah, Toronto's Toronto's a tricky situation. Cause honestly, like I know I'm biased because I'm a TFC fan, but if they had made the playoffs, I really think they could have like, at least made the semis. I think Philly would be a really tough test. I don't know, on On a given day, they could beat like an LAFC, especially if Insigne scores some like worldy and like Brideszky puts one in. Uh, but yeah, that back line is just not good enough. And the issue is that Bob Bradley's playing this 4 3 3 system. I mean, when you don't have two center backs, they were just picked apart by Atlanta um, and off uh, set pieces, right? So off of corner kicks, like you can't let a hat trick to, <laughs> to a center back. I, I don't even, I can't even think of the last center back who's like pulled off like a hat trick. Um, and you know what? It wasn't Westberg's fault, right? So like people were land basing Bono. Fairly, because the last three games, he totally let the team down. Like he let in some howlers for the last three games, but it's definitely like the systems that they have in place are not working defensively. But I kind of wonder, like if you see a new keeper, if you see a couple of new like center backs and then they sign a DP midfielder, um, this team gets really good, really quick. Cause I think they were borderline like, a, they would be like a very sneaky team making the playoffs. Unfortunately, like Insignia had a family. Issue, so he didn't play um last night the team came out flat and just got kind of railroaded as I just mentioned and it's too bad because on three separate occasions I put money down thinking like oh TFC is going to make the playoffs and you know there's great odds for them to win the MLS Cup um but unfortunately I guess I'm waiting for 2023 and that's when uh, Bob Bradley and the team will really be judged because if they can't put it together next year that's when
0: you're worried about them how big of a um, help do you think having like an Insigne and Bernadeschi in the squad is going to be with recruitment? And it kind of it, when you're talking about Jonathan Osorio, there, like obviously you don't know what his motivation is. But when you when I look at it from the outside, he's been a brilliant Caesar, and he's really thriving in that team, playing some great football. He's not he's a good, very good player, a Canadian international, but he's not going to go to the top of the game in Europe. Do you think, of like, maybe in seasons gone by, it would have been tempting to go to even, like, a mid-table team, like, maybe a good championship team, maybe somewhere else in Europe, and play for someone like him? But if I'm in his shoes and you get a chance to play with Lorenzo Insigne, Bernardeschi of all the hype, you know, the the fan base is excited, people are excited about Toronto right now, do you think that will impact someone like Osorio leaving, but also you might be able to recruit a couple of guys... Up to Toronto, that might not otherwise fancy the sort of cold winter times up there.
2: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Is that if I was in the Zorio shoes, um, you know, I think he has aspirations to go play in Europe just so he can have that as part of his legacy. But like you mentioned, there is that you know he'll be playing with better players with like Bernadeski and Insigne than he will be if he just you know sits on the bench for some championship team, maybe they get a chance of promotion. If anything, the Richie Larea kind of um, saga really showed you why it's sometimes better to just play at the level you're at, right? As you, like again, Osorio, I think he's uh, technically very strong as a Canadian player because that's what we kind of lack because we just don't have the coaching resources that they do in South America or Europe. Um, but he's actually very good on the ball. But I don't know what, what kind of impact he would actually have, like you said, on, you know, some mid table championship team, right? Like if he goes to, uh, you know, a middling club, he, I could just see him being a bench player. Again, getting back to the Richie Larea, he went to Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, sat on the bench, couldn't get minutes. They went up and then they overhauled their team anyways. Right. So that's the risk they really take. And now he's back at TFC and we really needed him earlier on in the year. So uh, the other person too, like Insigne is a huge signing, but Bernadeschi, yeah. Speaking of someone who's, you know, kind of uh, banging the drum of TFC in Toronto and coming to Canada to play in MLS, um, you know, he, he he's been a hype man for it. And as as you saw with Insigne, he brought over like Crescito, that was kind of uh, part of the deal. I know they're d- different teams, but I think he was talking to the Genoa captain at the time. Is like, hey, if I'm going over come with me if you can get those kind of package deals like that's where you get players who aren't necessarily designated players but they can fill out that roster and it and internationally toronto is a you know it's a cosmopolitan city of people from all over the world that other than the ridiculously like crummy winters that we have here uh it's a great city to play in right and if you're on a winning side as we've seen with say like the raptors the nba like they had massive parades for that. So I'm really hoping that, yeah, some of those guys just kind of, you know, draw some of the Europeans back across here and that we're not losing all our uh, young kids to Europe, but I don't know, tough thing because there's always those aspirations for the Canadian kids. Right. So it's tough to oh, know where yeah, he's going.
0: I was going to It'll say be- with the midfield, midfield, sorry, Chris, the midfield that you've got there with Bradley Kay and Asorio. if you can keep a hold of them, you think they've got another season in them. And and obviously, Bob Bradley, it seems like he's planned around having that free in the middle there. And that really frees you up then to make maybe one huge signing or a couple in in other places. You know, so like on paper, you know, with some of the names you've got in that team, someone like Asorio might not seem like a priority, but I think that'll be massive in the offseason if you can keep him on to another deal and then sort of You've kind of got the the locked in team there, and you can add to have a big striker or probably centre back, like you said, is really important for you.
1: I think it'll be interesting too to watch because Osorio is not like one of the young guys, right? He's not Jaquil Marshall Ready. Marshall Ready's 18 years old, I think, maybe 19. Like he can go to Nottingham Forest, sit on the bench for a year, you know, get. Pulled up to the Premier League, sit on the bench of the Premier League, still be 20, uh, and then start his real career kind of and, and kind of climb the ladder that way. Asorio, it's kind of like it's kind of now like he's got to go somewhere where he can play. Uh, the other thing with Asorio, he's going to be like the World Cup is a big stage. You can get bought for a lot of money because you play well for those three weeks or whatever it is. If he is like clearly one of the better players on the Canada team and Canada gets through the group, people could come knocking, you know, especially if he's out of contract, people could hundred percent come knocking and give him that opportunity that you think like right now it's ridiculous that he would play it, you know, a, a huge club. But I mean, look at James Rodriguez in twenty fourteen, just gets signed completely out of nowhere, basically, because he has a massive World Cup for Colombia. Uh that kind of thing can happen. It's it's the world cup. Everybody is watching. And if you play well, you know, you you can always get that opportunity. Now maybe maybe that's what he's banking on. Maybe that's why he hasn't re-signed with TFC, just because he knows he's going to the World Cup. And hey, like maybe maybe someone will give me a shot. And if no one gives him a shot, he'll be back at TFC next year. But um, yeah, he's a he's a TFC legend, he's been there forever and ever and ever. Um, he's a hometown kid, I believe, as well. So yeah, I'd love to say see him stay at TFC for the rest of his career. That would be awesome. But uh, if if you get a big opportunity from the World Cup, you, you never know what can happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, he he has the quality, like you said, to to make an impact. And I guess, like part of the motivation coming as a sort of free agent will be financial too. I could see him trying to get if he has a big world cup like the temptation of sort of getting a payday at that stage of your career you know um could be huge for him but on a sort of a personal level if you know with the he's been in toronto a long time if he is a local boy this is the time that you want to be playing for toronto have a legitimate chance of you know winning it winning it all next year i think and uh yeah like if there was ever a time to sort of turn down that move and stay in Toronto. I think this will be it for someone like Osorio, But yeah, well, I guess that's something to keep an eye on in the off-season. Did you um was there any you you mentioned the DC games and rotation, Chris. Yeah. Was there uh, was there any sort of things that stood out to you from that sort of them decisions? Any of the any of the new players come in and make an impact for you?
1: So I didn't watch DC because I was we were working yesterday, so I uh, didn't get a chance to actually see the game. Um, the the big, obviously, the big storyline comment from the DC game is David Ochoa goes back to RSL and shuts them out and really puts a dent in their playoff hopes because this was kind of their easy game remaining, and now RSL's schedule gets significantly harder. They're still only three points ahead of the Galaxy, with, and, and the Galaxy have a game in hand. Seattle is also still lurking. I mean, obviously, they're four points behind with no game in hand, but I I still don't feel comfortable if I'm RSL trying to fend off the galaxy in Seattle, two of the most storied franchises in the MLS. Um, yeah, I, I just think it was it was really, really interesting to see uh, Ochoa go back there. And and we said it it was either gonna be RSL was gonna score three or four and embarrass Ochoa or Ochoa was going to embarrass, RS, embarrass RSL and, and shut the door and completely, uh, completely dent their playoff hopes. Um, as far as, as far as the young kids, I know we had, I, I don't even know his name. He came up from the Academy like in the middle of the week and he started uh, against RSL. I think he's 15 years old, but uh, just about to turn 16 third youngest starter in MLS history behind Freddie, Adu And uh, Alfonso Davies, I believe, and uh, just ahead of Obed Vargas as far as age when he started, so kind of a big deal. I mean, that's uh, I've I've never um, I, I haven't really been following him too much. He is a defender, so he's not probably going to make a, a huge impact going forward, um, but definitely one to just kind of go out and keep an eye on and, uh, and and see how things go because DC has had some decent players come through the academy. They've completely mishandled them in a lot of cases, in my opinion, but. Uh, we'll have to see how how things sort out under the new regime under under Rooney um, Nyman obviously gone Yao gone Paredes is gone all of them I think were bad transfers uh, but that's you know that's just me so um, yeah nil nil game for DC and and RSL there um, did you guys have any Talk- any other thoughts about that one?
0: No, I was gonna say talking of young players uh, over in Chicago. Uh, One of the guys we spoke about last week, John Duran, had a real statement game. And he he, he had that thing where he he sort of was on the naughty step with Chicago from the management because he sort of alluded to his frustrations, I think, for not getting game time, saying he might leave publicly, which is obviously not a good thing to do, especially when you're sort of an 18-year-old rookie. It's just, you know, but he got sort of a slap on the wrist. He lost his playing time. And Casper uh, came in and, and done okay. Kasper is out injured this week, so he got another look to start. And uh, he was frighteningly good. He just, he's still a bit rough around the edges, a raw player. But, like, the athleticism at 18, the, you know, the sort of aggression. And he's got quality, too. I mean, he, he, yeah, he could be absolutely frightening in the future. And this was, yeah, two goals and and just a big, big performance, as a big striker performance. And, yeah, you love to see that in your club. I mean, I guess he's going to be someone we get to look at for the rest of the season here because I think Chicago probably thrown in the towel again for their uh, season. So they got some nice... It is a nice quirk, I guess, to the MLS where, you know, so a team like Chicago, in a position they're in in any other league with a relegation worry, couldn't have the freedom to do that. But now as a fan, it's kind of exciting, like you said, because we're going to see more of John Duran, I think Gutierrez. We'll get a lot more minutes and a couple of the other youngsters in there who have been been playing anyway. But yeah, it's exciting kind of quirk for the league. And yeah, he, he was he was yeah, brilliant. So uh I'm kind of with the Ricky Priege purchase. I'm already looking ahead for some of these youngsters for next next season. So yeah, you'll have to give me the a give it a scoop on DC for the rest yeah, of the year. His
1: his name is Matai Akin Akimboni. I'm not saying that right, but Matai Akinbone. Um you're, you're actually yeah, butchering that there's no doubt. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's not correct at all. It's fine. We'll we'll figure it out once we watch a few games and see how the announcers say it. But um yeah, definitely want to watch. They also started Jackson Hopkins in this game, which he's definitely one to watch for next year. Um, anybody over at TFC or anybody else around the league that you're looking out for as far as U23 there, Jeremy?
2: Yeah, it's tough because it's the end of the year. I was gonna say like the the thing that stands out to me about the MLS compared to the European kind of leagues is as much as I watch like the prime and you know catch other games as well, especially when you have like Sorare, um, it's just the parody, right? Like I'm looking at the standings right now and like Orlando, Cincinnati, Columbus, they're right on the, you know, they, they're in a playoff spot right now, but you got like, I find it incredible that new England might miss the playoffs this year. Right. And actually for the Sorare people, like uh, Charles Gill, who's like, the what cheat code of like MLS, you know, ends up with his, uh, you know, like wife pregnant. They have the kid misses the game. That probably like just killed a bunch of people's lineups. Right. Cause Gil doesn't play. And then I'm looking at the standings and it's like Columbus has a game in hand on them and a three point advantage. You could have it that like, you could be top of the table one year, and then you're missing like the, the playoffs, the next. And that'll hurt him too. If he's not getting some playoff games out of it. Right. Like, so some of his owners have to be a bit, worry about that and then you know as a TFC fan like I'm watching I still have a bunch of Pozuelo cards so I'm like come on Inter Miami I don't mind if uh if if TFC doesn't make it at least I get a few more games out of Pozuelo but just that's the one thing I love about MLS is just I'm just looking at the stands here like Orlando Cincinnati Columbus are in right now but then you have like New England Inter Miami Atlanta all like knocking on the door and that's what I find that you miss out sometimes in the European leagues when like Bayern's running away with it right or like Celtic's running away with it or Zenit or, you know, wherever you follow it, that's like awesome. And then the Western Conference, we missed talking about that too, is that like, you know, Seattle could always sneak in and RSL has a tough schedule as a seventh place team. So that's, I think what I kind of look towards. And then, yeah. And back to your like under 23 question, I find it's really, that's what's tough in, in MLS because do you put your money on someone like a JMR, right. Where, I think they're not playing him at TFC right now because one, he's kind of undersized and two um, club Rouge was com- going to come in because they already have Laren and Buchanan. They were going to come in and maybe pick him up for, you know, whatever five, 8 million, whatever it is. Um, that's always the worry is that they're just going to go and wind up on the bench somewhere in Europe. And then you've kind of <laughs> wasted that U23 potential. Um, that's always the tricky part, but. I guess that's the fun part about the uh, MLS. It's that kind of dice roll, right? That you got the the parody and the exciting kind of playoff chase. And then uh, and then there's always that hope for these players, right? To make it big. I think everyone looks to the Alfonso Davies kind of scenario and I think overhype the Canadian sometimes because that's like a, again, once in the generation kind of talent. Um, but it keeps it fresh. But from my perspective, I don't
0: see anything TFC kind of you know, helping out next year. Sorry. Yeah. No, the MLS, the MLS creates such an interesting dynamic, both like all these things are kind of working together. And, and when you add like the so rare dynamic in too, like there is like a value for having a team that's either in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt, because you obviously you're going to be picking up their big players. Like if I'm, a, I'm an insignia holder now and say like Toronto were completely out and get thrown in the towel, maybe they just, rest it what's the point of playing him you know and then from a fan perspective I guess my, you can answer this is like would that be accepted if like Toronto were in sort of DC shoes now Bob Bradley says well we don't want to risk him tearing his knee or whatever we're just not going to play him the rest of the season but the fans want to who played the season tickets like yourself want to show up and see the top guys like how do you, do you think that's kind of accepted or is that going to change or is that just a, a thing where American sports the fan base kind of just can kind of get behind that because I couldn't imagine in Europe if you know you kind of got nothing to play for, but you're up to watch your team every week and they're just playing the reserves just because. Fuck it. Yeah, there's you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, how does that work? I guess from before, your perspective as a fan. Before sure. you
1: answer that, Toronto is in DC shoes. They have three games to play, and they're seven points behind the playoff line. So they are they are all but mathematically out um so yeah i just yeah. wanted
0: i just wanted to get a dig in at bc mm-hmm. sorry about
1: that <laughs> yeah well i need to get a, de- a dig in at toronto so it's fine yeah sorry yeah, go ahead actually I actually
2: have to say like for the fact we're paying what like in Sydney, 14 million after tax in u.s dollars to like play this season it's uh it's a little frustrating because like, i think the hope was there for toronto like i'm looking at the standings now I'm like you're right we're not even like 13th place <laughs> out of 14 teams so um uh, But actually, but what I was going to say about that, just getting back to the question of it, is that, yes, mathematically, they're like right on the border of being eliminated, but the parity really makes it so that there's only one home game left. So people might just choose to show up to that Toronto FC home game just to kind of support the club and send them kind of away. I don't know, I'm torn because I'm so disappointed that I'm like, do I just give my tickets to someone else for the last game? Um, Because out of bitterness. So what I was like with the playoffs, the fact that seven teams make it out of the 14 typically means that most of them have some kind of chance, you know, give or take the last two or three games of the year. And I think that's actually a great thing in terms of, I think that's what keeps the fans in the stands. And now that that league is, you know, at a reasonable number of clubs, right? Like, um, I think probably working towards that 30 team, 32 team that mimics NBA, NHL, um, MLB, et cetera. Um, Yeah, I think you're going to get people to keep going to the games. Um, Yeah, I don't know how much people would actually mind if they rested Insigne. To be honest with you, like, I'd actually be fine with that if he's had a bunch of niggling injuries. Osorio's had a bunch of injuries this year. Um, I mean, we already ran out the kids so often early in the year that I think the fan base would probably accept it and just say, do you know what? We're going to come back strong for 2023. I bet you you wouldn't get away with that in Europe um I was listening you know to uh Jim Brennan who was the first captain of TSE TFC talking about even the fact when he was captain of TFC people on the streets of Toronto don't like recognize him and run up to him all the time whereas when he was playing in in England you know if you have had a bad game they're like yelling at you on the streets. you can't go to like the pub you can't go out for dinner they're like giving you a hassle whereas in Toronto you're just like you know people are like whatever they make just say, like, hey, Jim, or whatever to him, but that's about it. Um, so I think you can rest the players in North America not feel like you're going to get that hate. I think if you tried to pull that in Europe,
0: uh, it doesn't go down as well. Yeah, so, so we're, we're, talk, we're talking about um, management decisions, and we've been talking about sort of some young players for next season. And over in the Colorado-Vancouver game, Chris, something stood out to me, and I'm wondering what your take is on this from a management standpoint. The the manager of um, Vancouver is it Sartini? Uh, yeah, I'm probably missing that. Mm-hmm. But he's gone ahead and dropped Thomas Hazel. I know this because I'm an owner, so there might be a little bit of bitterness in here for me. Mm-hmm. And he's put Cody Cropper in with the remaining games of the season. I'm assuming because Hazel's fully fit now. What do you think his thought process is behind this change here? Because from the outside, you're looking as Hazel, yeah, he's had an up and down season, he's had injuries, he's maybe not blown the league away, but he's not been awful, he's had some some good games, some bit iffy ones. But he's still a young guy, he's in the Canadian team setup, which ties into this nicely, or he was. And whereas Cody Crocker's kind of crop is kind of a career backup goalkeeper. So sort of looking on to next season, and maybe Vancouver is still trying to win now. I guess they're still still got that hope, but what, what's kind of the thought process there behind that, do you think? I don't know if you saw that happening there, that decision, but yeah. that was I was saying, I know it's because I have him, and it, it seems a bit, bit bizarre to me to not give the younger, sort of higher upside ceiling kid a run in that spot.
1: You would kind of think that's that's what you should do, but that's just Vanny Sartini for you. He's going to play whoever is performing the best in practice according to his standards. He doesn't really care about upside. He doesn't really care about future. Um, He's just going to – whoever is performing well, he's going to play. This happened when Hassel came back earlier in the year. They were playing Cody Cropper, and it seemed like Thomas was fine, and then uh, Cropper came back into the team. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I don't get the Vancouver goalkeeper situation at all. If it's me coaching that team, it's going to be Hassel all day long. Um, but he's clearly seen something in Cody Cropper that he likes that he wants to try out. And you said career backup, but like those career backup type guys can end up being pretty good, you know, pretty good goalkeepers. Um, it can take, take some time for them to kind of get there, but like Brad Stuver is a career backup and he's getting a shot at Austin and he's taking full advantage of it. And, and he's one of the, one of the fan favorites down there for a team that's very, very good. So, you know, Cody Cropper's still a younger guy as far as goalkeepers go. He's not young, but he's younger. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's like I mean, Vanny Sartini doesn't care about. Well, Cody Cropper can only play seven more years, and Hassal could play thirteen. Like, who cares? Play the better one. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter to him who has more potential or upside. He wants. He wants you to prove in practice that you uh, that you can earn a spot in that team. And at times it's very frustrating because he'll bench his best players. Like he's benched Ryan Gold this year. He's benched Christian Dahomey this year. Uh, he benched Caicedo for a little while. Like it's just, it's maddening sometimes what he, what his decisions are. And maybe he's not taking full advantage of all of his talent, but at the same time his players love him and his players will run through a brick wall for him. So if that's what he's got to do to get that um, maybe it ends up being worth it. Vancouver's not going to make the playoffs again. They barely made the playoffs last year after sneaking in at the end. So is it really working? I don't know. I can't really, I like that team a lot. I think there's a lot of talent on that team. And uh, I I don't know if, I don't know if they've performed up to my expectations, but they did win the Canadian championship. Sorry to bring that up Jeremy over, over TFC. Um, So they are going to play in the champions league next year. So, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how it goes in, in Vancouver. I, you know, every year's a new year to, to Jeremy's point, like, you know, new England was the, the best team in MLS history. They collected the most points of any team in MLS history last year, and they're not going to make the playoffs this year. It doesn't look like they're three points back with uh, and down a game in hand. Um, Columbus has a game in hand on them. Uh, and then on the other side, Colorado won the Western conference last year. They're not going to make the playoffs either. Kansas city, I think was second. They're not going to make the playoffs. Seattle was third and they're really going to have to fight to try to make the playoffs. So MLS is a wild, wild league. You know, one year to the next teams can just catch fire. Like look at Austin, look at Dallas. Both those teams were at the bottom last year. Montreal didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, Cincinnati was three straight years. They've been the worst team in the league. They are going to make the playoffs this year. It looks like. So, I mean, these kinds of things happen. Um I guess that's that's an interesting question to pose to you Jeremy I, obviously TFC is at the at the bottom and we have big expectations for them next year because of all the talent that they have but give me maybe another team around the league that's that's not had a good year that you you can see the the talent and you can see or maybe a coaching change. Um, that, that you really like that uh, you, you think could be pretty decent next year, obviously obviously, very early days, but um, just kind of your initial impressions of who could make that big jump from the bottom of the standings to the top.
2: Yeah, not so much at the bottom, but actually just after watching the game yesterday, like Atlanta, right? Like that's a team that I think people would want to go to playing out of that Mercedes-Benz field. That place is amazing, right? Um, and I don't really get it with Atlanta because – you know, they looked like they came out like gangbusters to start. It's kind of similar like, you know, how like Austin and Atlanta both had, like, really good starts to their, uh, to their kind of, like, fledgling careers. And then, yeah, I don't know internally what's kind of going on with Atlanta, but they seem like a gong show. Um, but the talent's there. Like, watching it last night, like, again, I don't know how many, like, center back three-goal games you're going to get. But, uh, like, Joseph Martinez and company – it's hard and I can't, and I can totally see why a lot of, you know, like South American talent would really want to go to that Atlanta area and, uh, inter Miami as well. Right. Like you figure with David Beckham kind of at the helm that inter Miami, as long as they don't try to sign like five designated players again, um, you know, they, they should be able to actually take advantage of and getting back to this as much as I don't want it to be retirement league. Um, you could have some Europeans wanting to like settle down in Miami at the end of their career. And I think Atlanta would be a great, like, you know, like warm weather destination, massive field, you know, playing at like that amazing stadium. Um, I think if they just get some structure to both those teams, those wouldn't scare me a lot. So hoping the TFC kind of, uh, turns it around, but those are two that like stand out for me, at least in like Easter conference that I watch a lot more. Um, yeah, the West, I'm just like looking at it. Yeah, I never have that much faith in Vancouver, just because I'm biased there. Um, I'm trying of look at who would be kind of, just in the future, I think the Galaxy. I can't, like, third, eighth right now, I, they should be perennial, play like a perennial playoff team. There's no way they should be like that low. So I guess those yeah. would be like the three, that I kind of would say between, anytime you look at the big cities, it's always two LA teams, two New York teams. And then it's figuring out what other cities kind of a big name. And I don't know if people kind of realize, but like the greater Toronto area is, you know, probably around 6 million people. So it's, it's a pretty big uh, area. It's just a long time. It it gets forgotten because obviously like the U S kind of, you know, 10 times our population kind of obviously gets all the media attention, but uh, Toronto should be able to also kind of poach some of those European players. Right. Who want to go there.
1: What about you, Nashi? What do you think? Who, who are some of the teams you're looking for? I know you, you like your Chicago team for next year. Uh, where where yeah. do you like?
0: I mean, I'm, I actually I uh, really agree with Jeremy of Atlanta. So it's a brilliant – the, the manner they've, – they've underperformed with the talent they've got. It's not even a case of like – I mean, we have to give a little honorable mention for Cincy this week, just banging six past San Jose. And they're a team where last year they had some pieces. But, like, I mean, no one kind of expected – that level of improvement, I don't think. Whereas Atlanta, oh, it would not really whoa, feel like that. Whoa, whoa,
1: I did. I completely <laughs> oh. said they were going to be in the playoffs at the beginning of the year.
0: What are you talking only about? it. No only...
1: Well,
0: I guess I didn't. Only, only the experts like yourself, mate. But <laughs> with with Atlanta, like you say, it, it, it just makes so much sense. They've got so much talent. They got the stadium. We went there. They got a fan base. It, yeah, you. It's almost a surprise that where they are this year and it it doesn't really make sense and I don't see them losing too much so you know Campbell obviously coming back will be massive for them yeah that's a brilliant shout I said Chicago I think that there's good things happening there I might be have the rose tinted glasses on but I do genuinely think that and uh, yeah I I also agree I mean I'm pretty much and Jeremy with with a galaxy there you know they've there, There's just a big, big organisation. People kind of forget. I think a lot of people around Soreg kind of forget that. From Europe's side, Galaxy were the team, the, the MLS team for a long while. They're the only one people had heard of. And they've still kind of got that legacy. I wonder what they'll do with Chicharito in the off-season, whether it might be his time to move on. There probably will be some rebuilding. I know Vanny said he did want to build around Players like Peach coming in and made it be a new identity. Victor Vasquez has been a favorite of his, but I think, you know, he's getting on now too. So it might, a lot will depend on what happens in the offseason, but you'd have to expect, like you said, the Galaxy to come back uh, with some of the pieces and some of the talent they've got and do better next year. Um, I guess uh, one I'd say is um, it's not an improvement, but I mean, I guess it would be. I mean, Sounders had an absolutely massive win for them this week, 3-0 against Austin. Huge win for this season. But they're in the same breath as the Galaxy. I don't see how they should be where they are at this point in their season. And I expect them to maybe learn some lessons from this season. Obviously, they've had injuries, a bit of bad luck. But they won't be happy being in this position. You know, at the start of the year, we're sort of saying, well, yeah, that's what Seattle does. They kind of get up and running slow and they sort of make the ground up at the end you know but maybe that kind of mentality will get questioned a little bit up there because especially if they miss out on it but even if they don't at this point there's probably some worried people up in Seattle that are thinking maybe we have to we have to come out of blocks a bit quicker next year and we could see sort of a a reaction either way from this season so yeah that's kind of what I'm thinking if you got anything to add on to that or
1: um, that's interesting. I, I haven't really thought of this, but I don't think the CONCACAF champions league winner gets into the champions league the next year. Um, so I don't know if they'll be in the champions league. They can just focus completely their whole attention on, on, on the MLS, which I think is, is a bit of a scary proposition to be honest for the rest of the league. And for talking about teams that, that could be pretty decent next year, I'm, I'm looking at the standings. I think Charlotte, DC, Houston, are probably the three teams that right this second, right now, do not have enough talent to make the MLS playoffs next year. Now they could obviously go and have huge off seasons and sign a bunch of guys, and they could be very good next year. But as I'm looking, every other team that that I'm looking at in, in the Eastern conference and the Western conference outside of those three has the talent on their roster right now to be good enough. If they put it together next year, like Going down the, the teams in the Eastern Conference that aren't in it. New England, best team of all time last year. Miami, they've got Posuelo, They're building something nice down there. I really like what they have. They probably need a little more talent, but they've, they've got a nice start going. Atlanta has all the talent in the world. They just need a coach. Charlotte, I don't think, has the talent right now, but they could sign some things. Chicago, I do like their young players, and I and I do like Gaga Slonina a lot. He'll be gone, um, but we'll see if Chris Brady can take up that mantle. As long as Chichos is still in there, and as long as they have Shakiri and Shaqiri's not hurt, I think they could they could make a push at it. Uh, I do worry about injuries with Shaqiri though. Toronto, all the talent in the world, nothing there. Uh, DC, they've got a long way to go still. Um, but Benteke is a decent signing. Uh, at some point, Taxi has got to get back on the field here. Like he started crazy hot, and now he is is not even been playing, um, and he's he's been hurt obviously. But uh, LAFC, obviously, great. I uh, like Galaxy. We talked about Pooch ad nauseum in, in this episode. Um, Seattle, obviously, winners of the Champions League. Like, they're in ninth in the Western Conference. It's wild. Colorado, like, they've got all kinds of talent. Jack Price played yesterday, guys. Like, that's big news. Jack mm-hmm. Price had his first assist of the year late, last night. Um, Vancouver, I think they've got all the talent. Uh, they just got to put it together. Like, we talked about Sartina making some questionable lineup decisions. Kansas City like they signed an actual striker and they've been on fire recently um like Kansas City's gonna get polito back next year they're gonna get Gaddy Quinta back next year they've still got Johnny Russell they've signed a new striker Agados. like they're gonna be pretty good Peter is always gonna have them playing Houston I don't like the uh Hector Herrera signing he has not worked out for them at all I don't think they have a ton of talent on that team in general I think they gotta make some moves but they've got some really big name owners now so they may make some moves in San Jose, is getting in the, uh, the uh, former U.S. men's national team assistant coach who I really, really like, and they've got some really good pieces. I really like Jamiro Montero. I really like Kid Cowell. Like, they've got some really good players there. Benji Kakanovich is pretty good. They've got some some pieces to kind of work around at San Jose. I think they could be pretty decent next year if they have a, an identity. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a free-for-all. It's all, it's all up in the air. Like, Atlanta, we talked about, is probably my team from the East – and I think San Jose is probably my team from the West that I'm going to to pick to take the playoffs next year. Um, but I mean, we have a whole off season to go. So there's still so much that we don't know here um, about how these teams are going to be, but that's really the beauty of the MLS. Like you can take any one of these 28 teams and make a stack of them and feel pretty confident about going into next season, having the Lucho Brenner uh, and uh, Vasquez stack for next year. Like, any of the stacks could could end up being that next year. That's what makes it so much fun. Um, any other any other topics or anything that you guys want to go over here before we wrap things up?
0: Well, that's, wow, that, that was, was good. great. Yeah, yeah
2: was, like, oh, for the two of you, uh, like just in terms of so rare and goaltending. Like for me, even though I've always tried to collect my like you know Toronto C players, I'll be honest with you, I got rid of like Bono and Westberg. Uh, if you look at Vancouver, we already touched on that as well like there you have two and even montreal right like Montreal's kind of split it between uh Briz and pantemis um i don't know what you guys think about like your strategy in terms of goalies i find that like if it's if it's like in vancouver where both are almost splitting the duties or toronto where they're both like splitting the duties and you can't even figure out who like i am a season seat holder and i don't even know if westbrook or bono is going to start like it, it's painful when people are like hey who's starting and I'm like I have no idea I only find out like 30 minutes before kickoff um what's your feeling like sell or you know pick up those guys because I don't like you can buy a Westbrook pretty cheap it's just might be out of contract next year and um I don't know for me I I've tried to like stay away but I don't know your thoughts on the I think me and Chris
0: might yeah we might have different opinions I think if you're playing to try to uh, win versus trade they're really and it, this applies to goalkeepers massively but I think this applies to almost every position is that it's just a massive red flag to spend because goalkeepers are obviously expensive even on the quote-unquote cheaper side to spend that amount of sort your team's budget on someone you can't rely on every week you know and I really really avoid I, I actually don't own a single MLS goalkeeper except from H- Hassel, who I picked up, I think, right at the start for peanuts, and that's for a different reasons because there's just goals are plenty. But yeah, I think in terms of rotation risk, and we've sort of kind of spoke about it a little bit, even with like the LA front line, they got some unbelievable players who could just smash on so rare. And on the face of it, I look at them and think, oh, they kind of seem cheap because like that guy that plays, he's just gonna ball out but that rotational risk i think really does impact us on so um, from a sort of strategy point that being said and i guess chris will know this better if you can pick the guy up who's not been playing for real cheap and know that there's a good chance that at some point in the season he will be rotated in especially from the goalkeeper um, and then you can maybe you you've almost certainly get a price rise is that something that you look at chris where you can sort of exploit the thing that's bad for the so rare game but maybe good if you know this guy's going to get a shot at the season you pick him up cheap and then sell him at that time
1: yeah so I've tried um I've not had great luck with goalkeepers though to be 100% uh, honest I uh, last season the big pickups were Jimmy Maurer because he was way too cheap and that was a great pickup until Utrecht just decided to I don't know what they were doing. And they gave away Martin Pies for nothing to Dallas, which kind of screwed me. Um, so the Jimmy Maurer one did not work out, even though it should have worked out. It was nothing wrong with Jimmy Maurer, just Martin Pies came in. And then the other guy that I picked up was Alec Kahn, which also should have worked out beautifully. He had a rough start to the season, finally started going a little bit, had a great game against Atlanta, and then got hurt. Celentano comes in, a guy that I really liked. I liked Celentano a lot long-term. I didn't think he was ready to be an MLS goalkeeper right now. Comes in. I didn't think he was really that great either, to be honest with you. But then Khan comes back and Celentano keeps his spot. So the Khan one really hasn't worked out either. So then I kind of changed course. I tried to pick up uh, the other guy that I did pick up was um, uh, but I kind of sold him on. Um, so that one, I guess, would have worked out had I kept him. Um, then I tried to you know, play it a little bit safer and get guys that I thought were more entrenched, I guess, cause I thought they were better players. Uh, so I picked up Yarborough from, from Chicago, not Chicago, from uh, Colorado. And, uh, and I picked up Drake calendar, who was going to be my big star. Like he's 24. He was, he had the great shot, save percentage uh, playing really well. He, he kind of came into the team right when Miami got really good which is kind of what Celentano did. Like, that's how he kept his spot. So I was like, okay, I'm on the other side of this one now. And now Drake Callender's lost his spot. And it's like, I, I, like, I just don't get it for Toronto personally, the Bono Westbrook thing I've stayed away from for the entire people have asked me for two years. Like, what, what do I get? Cause they're both, they're the two cheapest starting goalkeepers, whichever one starts. They're the two cheapest starting goalkeepers on so rare have been for two years. And they're, and they're always like, well, which one do I get? And I'm like, well, I just stay away from both because you think if you just pick up both of them that one of them is going to start every week, but you don't know which one is going to start every week. So it's still maddening to, to, to go through that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try again this offseason. I've got a couple Tyler Millers. I've got some stuff in Cleveland in case Stephen Fry decides to retire. Um, I don't know. I might pick up a Brad Guzan. Because I think he's going to come back. And we talked about Atlanta. And I'm trying to think of who's going to be like pretty good next year. And Atlanta strikes me as a team getting Miles Robinson back, getting Brad Guzan back. They could be pretty decent in the back. Um, I might also get uh, JT Marcinkowski potentially, because I do think San Jose will be better. They won't have this crazy man marking system that they've had uh, under previous regimes. They'll just be a normal team now, which hopefully means that they won't concede a whole bunch. Um, so we'll, we might try JT Morrison Kowski because as, as a goalkeeper, I really like him. Just San Jose concedes all the time, so you can't really have that as a goalkeeper. So I that was a long answer, but the short answer is I have no clue how to trade goalkeepers. They're just like a whole different breed. Honestly, I I, I have no advice. Like I'm still completely in the dark on on my side um, as far as who to pick up. I mean, honestly. I might just play play more safe might be the might be the right answer. Like instead of trying to pick up the Khan Ivacic Drake calendar type player where there's a 50-50 chance they start, maybe just spend up more and get, you know, Maxi Kerpo, who's not going anywhere in LAFC. Um, Martin Pies of Dallas, like guys that are locked in and they're not ever going to move. You know, Andre Blake type guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is, uh, to be honest with you. With the scoring matrix change, though, paying up seems like a seems like a better move if you're trying to win rewards for sure. Because now, the the better goalkeepers are going to score a lot more than the worst goalkeepers will. So, um, yeah, I, I I'm I'm not sure what to, what to tell you there, Nashi. Best of luck though.
0: Brilliant, mate. Yeah, uh, top top quality advice as ever on the So We're <laughs> in the States podcast. That's we'll we do. the people that uh, that gem of wisdom there. I think that's that's a good place to end it. Uh, uh, thanks for do. coming in thanks for coming in jeremy and uh it will be in touch for see see how toronto get on in the off season
2: yeah thanks a lot for having me uh between this and uh, obviously the baseball pod as well i've been uh still having a great time i don't know if my strategy of uh collecting toronto fc players has <laughs> worked out that well lately but uh yeah if anyone who's listening ever wants to hit me up i'm always available on like Twitter at jhad28, I think it's underscore rare. but anyways, I'm sure you could find my name out there, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, I like uh, hearing people's stories, and I know that Chris's answer right there was, you know, you know, kind of going on a bit, but that's how I feel about the MLS goalie situation, so I'm glad uh, some other experts in the field feel the same way as me, because I'm like, I'm watching all these games, and I'm still struggling, so it's great yeah. to uh, bounce these ideas off people, so I really appreciate having me on and uh and i love listening to the podcast for people's stories as well great community yeah yeah, yeah. love it
1: for sure we appreciate the time and we'll definitely get you linked in the show notes if anyone wants to connect with you on twitter it'll be in the show notes for you but until the next time you guys have a good rest of your week